Welcome to the Good Life Agora Hills podcast. Join us each month as we discuss important city projects, programs, and initiatives with the community. We appreciate your support and thank you for tuning in. What's going on, Agora Hills? And welcome once again to your favorite podcast, The Good Life Agora Hills. My name is Ramiro Adeva. I'm your proud assistant city manager and the host of this show. Listen, let me tell you, Today, I am so excited for our special guest. We're at a location that is just so remarkable, so unique, and I can't wait to introduce them to you today. So listen, this organization is truly aligned with the core values of Agora Hills. I mean, they protect and preserve nature, the environment that we all love, and they care for the native wildlife like no other, and you'll see what I'm talking about. So without further ado, I'm gonna bring out our special guest, let me tell you, everybody, stop what you're doing, put down everything, get up on your feet, and help me welcome the Executive Director of the California Wildlife Center, the one, the only, Miss Jennifer Brent. Let's go. Everybody, come on now. This is a big deal. This is a big deal. What's up, Jennifer? Well, welcome doing? to California Wildlife Center. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much for having us. I know that you're super busy. I know that your day is completely packed. We've been here before and kind of taken the tour that we'll be doing later, but I know you're extremely busy, so we appreciate you. Everyone at home appreciates you for taking the time. Thank you. Thank you. We're happy to do it. All right. So listen, we've got some questions here. And before we kind of get into the, all the amazing information about the facility, I want to start with a question about you because you're such a remarkable person and I want them to know it too. So Jennifer, if you could start with, just give us a glimpse into who you are, what you're passionate about, and what ultimately led you to your current position right now with the CWC. Well, as a child, <laughs> actually, like I was thinking about this the other day, when I was growing up, I never played with dolls. It was always stuffed animals. And I've been volunteering with animals since uh, I was 20 years old, so 30 plus years. Um, I've been working with animals for about 15, 15, 16. Um, most recently, I was a commissioner for the Department of Animal Services for the city of Los Angeles. I was also the executive director of Katherine Heigl's private foundation that does work with works with companion animals and also with the Found Animals Foundation that works with companion animals in the city of Los Angeles. So wow. Yeah, so that's a lot. <laughs> you know, so you bring a lot of a lot of great experience to, to this role. Um, so let me ask you this, uh, the CDBC, this facility, it's absolutely amazing. And so I got a couple of questions here that, that kind of really give us some insights into what this facility is about. So first off, how long has the CWC been open? We have been here since 1998. We were established by volunteers who saw a need in the community and from the very beginning, when we rescued only a few hundred animals a year, we're now helping over 4,300 animals every year. Wow, that's, um, okay, well how about, I know that this facility you know, services so many folks from um, a vast area. What exactly is that service area that the CWC um, has? So California Wildlife Center, we will help animals pretty much from anywhere in Southern California, as long as the people are willing to bring them to us. We are unique in Los Angeles County in that we are able to help mule deer fawn, coyote, songbirds, um, corvids. There, there's special permits that are required from the U.S. and California Departments of Fish and Wildlife. We are also the only facility in the Western United States that have both marine mammals and terrestrial animals. 
So Jennifer, talk to me a little bit about the animals. Uh, what types of animals come here? I think we need to probably clarify, you know, I mean, is it from wildlife to some might ask about domestic? So yeah. maybe if you could clarify that. And then when the animals do get here, how about on average, how long are the animals here? So we focus on native California animals. So those are animals that in, are indigenous to this area because we feel it's really valuable to preserve those animals for future generations. Um, so that means house finches, red-tailed hawks, coyotes, skunks, elephant seals, sea lions, um, ground squirrels, that huge gamut, uh, owls, you name it. Um, that also includes snakes and rodents. Um, and the length of time really depends on the animal and what they're brought in for. So we have three major departments. The first one is marine mammals that does rescue along the beaches in Malibu. Um, and those animals usually are orphaned, so they'll be with us maybe two to three months, depending on their condition. Um, the second department is our orphan care unit. That's animals that were separated from their parents, and they're raised with um, raised here until they can survive and thrive on their own. The third category is our intensive care unit. That's for sick and injured animals. So depending on what the problem is, they might be here even longer. So for example, yesterday, we received a bobcat that had been hit by a car. So that animal has multiple fractures, so they're gonna have to stay with us until they're healed. On the other hand, we might have an animal that's just heat stunned. So we, um, last summer when it was super hot, 120 plus degrees, we had in a single day, seven to 10 Cooper's Hawks that literally just fell out of the sky because it was so darn hot here. So those guys, we cool them down, we hydrate them, and then we can release them within 24 hours. So there's a huge range. I swear, every time we come here, I'm blown away by what you do here. I, I honestly am. I, you know, council member Jeremy Wolf, a good, good friend oh, of yours. Love Jeremy. Uh, you know, shout out to Jeremy. Uh, you know, <laughs> he came back after he had met with you and he talked about how amazing you are and how amazing this, this facility is. Um, and so I can see why. Every time that I hear about the, the great things that you do here, it, it's truly mind-boggling and it's, it's so, such a great thing. So we represent Agora Hills, all the people at home watching. And, uh, you know, so could you give us a perspective on how how many animals maybe have on average probably come to, uh, to come to this facility so that the people at home understand truly how much of a resource this is to them? Mm -hmm. And each year we bring in um, or are brought to us about between 100 and 150 animals from Agora Hills. We also respond to over 30,000 phone calls a year. So proportionally, same amount from Agora Hills. So those are people who are concerned about wildlife. Maybe they found a duck in their pool. Maybe they have a raccoon that they don't know how to get rid of. They found a bird on the ground and they're not sure how to deal with it. So we walk them through the steps on the next steps of rehabilitation, whether that means bringing it to us um, or simply trying to get those ducks out of the pool. Yeah. So, I mean, all the remarkable work you do here at the facility, obviously there's got to be an amazing dedicated staff behind it. And you do that with a a ton of volunteers. Talk to me a little bit about the size of volunteer staffing that you need to be able to run this facility as effectively as you do. And how can folks at home, if they're interested in volunteering, how can they do that? All right, so we have about 13 full-time year-round staff members. In comparison, we have 247 volunteers. In the last year, they've donated over 26,000 hours to us. So they are 
absolutely the backbone of California Wildlife Center. We could not do what we do without them. They do everything from food preparation to medicating the animals to lots of cleaning um, to rescuing animals. They do it all and they are phenomenal. We have volunteers who have been with us for 10 plus years even. The way you can get involved, if you go to our website, it's cawildlife.org under Get Involved and read about what we require for our volunteers. We do ask that everyone donate a minimum of six months of time the longer that you're here as a volunteer, the more you're going to learn. So, of course, the first day you come in, you might not hold an animal, but the longer you're here, we, like I said, the people who've been here for 10 plus years, they can pretty much do everything that staff people can. And I can vouch for the fact that the people here are smiling. They love being here. So if you want to volunteer, come here. It's a great place. Let me ask you this, because I think, you know, a facility like the California Wildlife Center, you have a variety of different animal types here. And I think it would beg the question as to whether or not you offer educational tours. Can you please answer that question? Ah, that's a great question because people, and people definitely ask that. We help over 107 different, 170 different species here. Um, we have, as I mentioned, a memorandum of understanding with California Department of Fish and Wildlife, with the U.S. Department of Fish and Wildlife, National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, and because of the type of permits that we have, we are not open to the public. I know a lot of people would love to, to come and visit. All of our patients are either orphaned or sick, and it doesn't benefit them in any way to be looked at by people or to feel intruded on by people in order for them to get well or to grow up successfully. So unfortunately, we're not open to the public. Yeah. Now, you know, uh, earlier you mentioned, you know, that a lot of the animals that come here, they come injured, right? I mean, you know, in, in addition to other things, but they come injured and you help to rehabilitate them. Talk to us a little bit about that rehabilitation process. Mm -hmm. And also, what is, what is the human interaction like in that rehabilitation process? Do you try to minimize that contact during the process? What I say is, um, None of these animals are here because of something they did. You never hear about a bird flying into a tree so hard it knocks itself out, right? So all the animals are here as a result of some kind of human action, whether it's re removing them from their parent, whether it's hitting them with a car or having um, a window where that would normally be their flight patterns. So. Once they come in, they're assessed by our technicians and our veterinarian to determine what is the best course of action, whether that might be just quiet and rest, whether they need hydration, they need medication, um, and we try to give them as much quiet time as they possibly need. After that point, they are transferred to our main area where the volunteers are able to interact with them. And in those times, there's especially certain species that are prone to habituation. And habituation is when animals don't have a natural fear that would protect them. So that means that we ask our volunteers to not talk to them, to not make eye contact with them, to really minimize the amount of time that we spend. In fact, some of our enclosures have cameras in them. So for animals like our coyotes, our deer, um, our crows who are very prone to habituation, we just have cameras and we keep eyes on them that way to make sure that they're getting better, that they're eating, that they're interacting and playing successfully because we don't want to put ourselves in that situation. Well, you or I might might have a wonderful time with a with an animal coming up to us. I know that I have visions of Cinderella style being dressed by 
little baby birds and being served my breakfast by bunnies, um, <laughs> I know that a lot of people wouldn't feel that way. So um, we want to make sure that once we release these animals and they're back in the wild, that they have the best possible outcome. And that means, frankly, avoiding people. Yeah. So let's talk about releasing them, right? So there's a process to get them there. Talk to me a little bit about how you go about determining that an animal is ready to be released and then what does that release process look like? Okay, the assessment for release is done by our technicians and our veterinarian. And depending on the animal, so let's say it's an orphan, which is a large portion of our population. In order for them to be released, they need to be able to thrive, they need to be able to find food, they need to be able to lift off, they need to be able to take rights, take lefts, and be able to understand predators because most of our animals are prey animals. Um, if it's an injured animal, they it's, it's similar, but we also want to make sure that they have full mobility. Um, so let's say, for example, like that bobcat that I just mentioned earlier that was hit by a car. We want to make sure that they can run, that they can hide. Um, for a baby bobcat, on the other hand, we want to make sure that they can hunt, that they can get prey because we don't want to release them to eventually starve in the wild. We ask our volunteers to help us with releases. All of our adult animals are released within five miles of where they're found. Of course, if we find an animal on the middle of the 101, we don't say good luck, um, but uh, we want to release them because they have established territories. Now for our orphaned animals, we release them in groups according to the main geographical area. So if we get one from Pacoima, Silmar, and Sun Valley, we're going to release them in that general area of the San Fernando Valley. Whereas if we get, we'll put together a group of say Long Beach, um, San Pedro, and Huntington Beach, we're going to release them further south. It's so much care, so much <laughs> precision. I, I love that, so much detail. Um, okay, so obviously uh, a, a remarkable uh, effort like this doesn't go without cost, right? And so let's talk a little bit about how the California Wildlife Center is funded. And if part of that is through donations, for folks that are looking to possibly make a donation, how can they do that? We are 100% <laughs> funded by the public. Um, we have a few grants that we get from the cities and the city of Agora Hills is generous enough to give us a grant every year. Um, but we do not retain any, we do not receive any sustaining government funding. So a lot of people come in, because our name is California Wildlife Center, they think we're like the DMV. My taxpayers paid for your salary. <laughs> In fact, that's not true. Um, so we really, really rely on members of the public to help support our work. We are open 365 days a year, um, even during Coachella, even on Christmas, even on Thanksgiving. Um, we are here to help the animals. So um, we need people to help support us. We don't charge for any of our services because we feel that it's really important to have access for everyone to be able to help animals. So we really appreciate it when certain people are able to help us and help the animals. That's great. So listen, the California Wildlife Center, uh, you know, you have such a presence. There's such a following. Talk to the people about if they want to find out more information and be involved, what are those channels, what are those platforms where they can do that? Well, thank you. Um, so we have a thriving Instagram. It's at CA Wildlife. We have um, our Facebook at CA Wildlife and a TikTok account. We also, if you could, if you go to our website, you can sign up to receive our weekly e-blasts. Those e-blasts each week talk about a patient or a, or a specific problem that are, is facing us, um, whether it's a specific disease or um, maybe it's about how to make your yard more friendly to wildlife. Every week there's some an e-blast that's just chock full of information that anyone can subscribe to for free. Yeah, and we've seen it. Their IG is 
It's off the hook, so check it out. So Jennifer, obviously the city of Agora Hills has a better understanding of all the great things that you do here, but is there anything that the city can do on our end to better assist the great work that you do here on a daily basis? Well, absolutely this podcast is a great first step. Um, what I'd say is we have to learn to live successfully with wildlife. That means don't trim your trees and bushes in the spring. Wait till those nesting songbirds have left. Don't use rodenticide. That's poisoning our the animals. It's not just poisoning the rats and mice that you want to have leave your home. It's also poisoning their predators. That's the red-tailed hawks that we love seeing soaring our skies. That means be thoughtful about when you're driving empty country roads at night. There's deer crossing. We are in their territory, so we really need to learn to be successful so that we can all live together. So there you have it, Agora Hills. Can you believe that? Thank you so much to our wonderful special guest, Miss Jennifer Brent, for taking the time again out of her extremely busy day to come sit with us. We are so grateful for the remarkable work that you and your team do here. And again, so grateful for you taking the time. Thank you for coming. We're happy to have you. All right. So listen, Agora Hills, until we see you next time, you know how we do it on this podcast. Keep living the good life. In Agora Hills. Take care. So seriously, thank you so much. Thank you. so no, good. Catch up on previous episodes at agorahillspodcast.com and hit that like button and subscribe to The Good Life, Agora Hills.